<laughs> it's still weird. It's still really, really weird. But we're better. We're growing. Welcome to the Leader Process Podcast, where more than being a podcast and a show that you listen to, is a community of people. The people in this room are here to learn about being people, to learn about leadership, to learn how to lead well, and to learn how to be led well. So as you walk in this evening, relax, grab yourself a refreshment, grab a seat, look around, see what's around you, and settle. We have a lot of learning to do. Good evening, everybody. How are you? How are you feeling? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Have a seat, grab a refreshment, you know. Let's let's take a bit of time. Um, I'm excited to have you back this week. I I hope you're okay. I hope you're well. I'm wondering how last week went um, with our little exercises around noticing, you know. Did you see the one we were underestimating? How is that? How has it been knowing that you are underestimating someone? Well, we will get into that. But for this week, I would like to present my very last theory. So I struggled with this one, this last of the three-part theory. And I'm not yet sure why I struggle so much. But I think it will come across as I go through this. One of the most popular advertisements I've ever seen is the Coke Taste the Feeling ad. Do you remember that one? I always wondered about that phrase. How does one taste a feeling? Were they talking about the sugar rush or how full I felt after I had a Coke and then ate a meal or had a Coke and even had no meal, just the Coke? Or... What were they referring to? In the ad, though, it seems were on people, even though it said taste of feeling. People going on dates, people eating together, people jumping over fences with friends into some beautiful places to play ball or whatever. People falling in love, people going through life with a bottle of a fizzy, sugary drink. That was years ago, though, when the ad happened. Whichever version came out, because I've seen that there's so many versions on YouTube. The script is the same. Positive association. Makes me think of Coldplay concerts. Um, For those of us who've never been in Coldplay concerts, and I know I have people here from the US and I have people here from Europe and I have people here from Australia, but if you've ever watched a Coldplay concert, some of us never have. That's besides the point. Have you ever watched a concert even on YouTube? There's thousands of people holding other people close you know their friends and then holding the phone on the other hand these sweaty bodies and they swaying and these cameras in the air and then there's crying and then there's holding and then singing and then shouting at the top of their lungs i've never been to a coldplay concert as mentioned but i would watch this at many other concerts and these musicians would just seem to take me and the people in the room somewhere Now, when you left work Friday evening, you had that Friday feeling. And depending on where you were, well, the place could feel like that at all times or it could feel like that on some days. Now, I can hear some of you, the more rational ones being like, what does that have to do with my team, with my leader? 
Well, I've been part of a lot of teams in my short life, um, mostly as a volunteer because I'm young. Haha. <laughs> and I'm in teams now, some that I lead and some that I'm being led. And I can almost with shocking accuracy tell you which ones I was more part of than others. And I know why. As I looked back, I see many feelings wrapped up into one. I remember one where my whole team sat together on a hot Saturday night in a hotel with many others waiting for the announcement of a national award winner. Our rival team sat in the road right in front of us. And I remember with so much depth and dimension what it was like when they announced that we had won. I remember all of us jumping off of our seats. I remember us looking at each other completely ecstatic, like you can see them, but you can't really see them. You feel like you're seeing the, the happiness, which is an odd thing to say, but I think some of you know what I'm talking about. There were no words. There was just screaming and laughter. And I remember with this same team, Staying up night after night after our tenure started trying to lay down a strategy. And I remember the frustration of being up many late nights only to be told it wasn't good enough the next morning or we needed to change this or fix that. And I remember that feeling of turning to my team members and reading despair and frustration and even feeling like there wasn't enough that I could do for them. And I also remember doing what I could. I remember their gratitude. And I remember thinking, here is a lot that I think I could do for you. I remember traveling for a conference with my team leader and sitting in this room with, surrounded by so many other nationalities in like 2017 of April as we spoke about humanity and its need for peace. You know? And all these while with one team, one particular set of people to be precise. And I remember how many calls I got on with my boss at the time. And I remember every time she would instruct me and give me a deadline, but not before she had heard me out, listened to me and told me that we would be okay and that she was there for whatever it is I needed. I remember knowing that whatever my crazy ideas and aspirations were that I could do it. A lot about how we lead well and are led well is when we tap into the things that make us human. And this never ends. Being a human will never end. We will be humans from the start of our lives to the very last breath. From the day you arrive to your team to the day that you leave, you'll be a human. Just humans in different phases and different stages. Teams are living things because of this. Scientifically, living things are categorized this way because they move, they respond to stimulus, they grow, they respire or breathe, and depending on their environment, in order to remain living. Living things, well, they eat, they breathe, and they receive light in order to live within certain temperatures. We may know a thing or two about health because other than food, oxygen, light and water helps things stay alive. And I know that sounds really simple, but really think about it. Then you get to see a thing grow in complexity, sorry, and increase in size and, 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 and reproduce like seeds becoming a tree or a fetus becoming a baby and then a toddler and then a tween and then a teen. And then an adult. Teams are living 
growing, changing places made up of living people, teams are living. Now, go back to Friday, the hours before you left for the weekend. What was it like in that room? Was there life? And I know that might sound like an unclear question, but was there life? What did it mean for there to be life in your team? As humans, we know when something is dead, you know, a dead friendship, a dead conversation, a dead relationship, just when things are dead, we know it. It doesn't move. It doesn't make a sound, does not grow. There is no change. And if it's changing, it's towards its death. It's oddly quiet. And then a smell starts to emerge. And if no one saw the thing die, the rat or the mouse or the cat, the smell makes sure we all know where it died because, well, we have to get it out, otherwise we can't be there. And if you don't know that something has died, the smell is what gets you. I promise. So back in your team, dead or alive? There are many different organisms to choose from for your analogy of a team. But the baseline is those characteristics. If a team is a living thing made up of living parts, are the parts feeding? What are they feeding on? Is it what they need in order to grow? What kind of drink, water rather, are they consuming? What's the air like in the team? What kind of light is the team under? Is it a harsh, drying light that scorches the earth and kills stuff? Or is it the kind of light that's soft and gentle and allows for things to grow and have energy, you know, just enough while allowing it to stay alive? The theory here is a team is the people. And like parts of a living thing, it takes every part of the team being alive, doing their bit to stay alive, keeping the living thing living and healthy. Nothing is more important than the other. There is no overstating, there is no underestimating any parts important because, well, neglect and ignorance of signs of overestimation or underestimation will probably create a slight issue. You know, like that headache that you've been ignoring the entire day that at some point is throbbing until your head gets your attention and you soothe it and attend to the possible cause, take a painkiller, lie down, drink some water. And the throbbing stops through maybe a moment of rest, like I said, or water or food or a pop of pain meds, but eventually the pain stops. That's what happens when we stop ignoring the overestimation, underestimation. We stop ignoring the proper functioning. We stop ignoring the disorder or dysfunction of parts. Now, everyone here tonight believes something about the team they're involved in whatever team it is, volunteered or paying, professional or, you know, skill-based. Um, by skill-based, I mean like no one is necessarily paying you for that, whatever team you're in. You know what I'm talking about. There's you who believe that it's it truly doesn't matter and we don't need to overthink these team things. And I understand that. I could even see where you're coming from. You know, that teams, especially in an economic business context, exist to produce and that we're in those teams to produce economic value and getting your life together and dealing with your stuff 
is your job, not the team's. And I don't think you're the only one who thinks so. And my reading tells me that there was a time when corporations were actually run from that point of view, that efficient production way of looking at things. So I, I understand it. The world has been there. Our companies, our organizations and societies have been there. The issue is there's a lot about culture today that tells us that we have we we have a time, we live in a time rather when people don't just want to be thought of as factors of production. And it's changing everything about how we live and run our teams, how we live out our influence in every sphere. Recently, we have watched the industry titans, you know, who disregarded the humanity of their followers across the U.S. and eventually globally pay with things like the Me Too movement of women who came out to say enough is enough with the sexual harassment by their bosses. I hope that helps you see that at some point the team is more than a factor of production. And then there's you who believes that their team is made up of people, yes, but that the leaders are more responsible of how the teams go. And I understand that too. And to some extent, you are right. Because the leaders in the room, well, those ones with the positions, at least right now, and I say right now because, well, it's a rotating door in this world, you know. There's someone coming in, there's someone going out, and that happens with leaders. But at this moment, those that have power have more responsibility. And that's true even today with the liability and corporate responsibility and setting culture in organizations and even in society generally. What to you who's a follower with great insight, a strong work ethic and increasing trustworthiness, your bosses can see you. They see that. And one day you really may find yourself higher up. And you will take it because, well, it marks your growth and it's a bigger paycheck. How lucky will you be to discover as early as now that the people in your team are really the life of what you do? Can you imagine how great it will be for you on the day that you discover that it's true? Everything we've been saying all along, it's true. That followers are just as important, if more important, if not more important than the current leader. Remember the thing about in living things, you can't underestimate or overestimate one thing. The thing that's been ignored or left out, well, it's going to respond with dysfunction or disorder or some other type of wrong, and it's going to disrupt everything. And then you, current leader, how great is it going to be for you to know that when these people leave your team or they outrank you somehow, because that also happens, that you respected and honored and nurtured and grew them, and now they're able to respect and honor and nurture and grow you and the people who come after you next. And lastly, you, who is a leader, you with the team that truly just drains and exhausts you weekly, daily even. The truth is, your team members are unlikely to care much for the team, at least in a culture where caring for the team and for leaders is not a thing because there are organizations like that. I know that you know that. And if you don't, well, somehow this hopefully, I hope, has awakened you to that. Your team is a living thing. The hard work now starts with tending and caring for the living thing because, well, it's a lot of work. Believe me, you don't want a dead team. I hope that you allow yourself to grow the wisdom and the foresight to learn how to grow and cultivate a living space for a living thing. 
making room for a living thing to be a living thing. I've said living thing a lot, but you get it. Humans in particular. I hope that when you visualize a body in particular, you visualize not some irrational thing that can function efficiently based on instinct that doesn't need to account for their thinking and their feeling and their being. I hope that you visualize a person because that puts more into perspective, puts more of their thoughts and their feelings and their humanity into scope, as opposed to if you were to compare your team to I don't know, an insect or a fish or some other animal or other. I hear a lot of things about leadership in Africa. Heck, it's all over the news. And as I've thought and as I've pondered, I've found that the further we stepped into individualism, the more the idea of a community being a big singular living thing declined. The idea is so beloved on this continent called Ubuntu. The idea that I am because you are. We therefore are because you are. A lot of what can be seen today in our communities, in our continent, across the world really, is position holders who really don't see us. You know, if they did, don't you think that some of us going hungry while others go thirsty while others self-enriched would not be a thing? A body can't be selfish. You remember the thing about the slight pain in your head that you ignored and then it became a throb that stopped you at your tracks and all you needed to do was give it attention and care and soothing to calm down? Well, think about it. It's the case of the mouth overstating its importance while much else gets neglected and overlooked and ignored and distracted. A strong case of overestimation and underestimation and a lack of personal and communal self-awareness is at large, at least according to me. When I think about this continent this week, I, I've i seen the hashtag and, and one of the hashtags attached to NSARS, the, the work that's going on in Nigeria, it says end bad governance in Nigeria and it surprised me to hear the stories that peaceful protesters were sitting um, by the gate, the Lekki gate. And I'm sure you may have seen this story. And then that military officials came and they shot at people. And, and the instruction that they seemed to have made me think even more deeply about this whole thing for, well, there's someone somewhere who has a position who doesn't see all of Nigeria as part of them or them as part of all of Nigeria. Someone somewhere is overestimating themselves. Someone somewhere is undervaluing someone else. And now there's an ache. There's an ache that has grown and has become this thing that we're all rooting for and we're all doing our best to support. Anyway. I hope that you get time to look into that and, and, and think and really, really think. Now, my theorizing may not be all true, but leadership in Africa, like I said, could do with a bit more philosophizing and soul searching. Leadership everywhere in the world could do with a bit more philosophizing and soul searching. All of you who have stumbled your way here from all of those countries, 
from the US and from Switzerland and from Australia and from Canada and from Mauritius and from I forget I forget the other countries but there's a lot of you who made it here this evening my hope my dream rather is that you learn through this process of thinking and introspection how to lead well and how to be led well to know that you are a living thing that everyone with you is a living thing and that living things work a certain way and if you could just pay a bit more attention to that and that even the most remotest the most remotest the remotest parts of your mind that as you consider your team a small or a large team, a local or a national team, that you somehow know that our time here helps you and forms you for the day. Now, that's the last part of my theory, that a team is a living thing. A team that's made up of a person who is a living thing is a living thing. Well, that brings us to the end of our theorizing. There's a lot else that we need to do as we help one another develop a systematic way of thinking about leadership. But on a lighter note, do you think if Africa was a person, they would have smooth skin or long hair? Anyway, I'm done. When I see you next week, we will be going somewhere else and you'll have to come back to figure out where it is we're going. As with every week, follow us on social media at the leader process and you can email me at the leader process at gmail.com or you can just talk to me on my inbox if you have that kind of access let's talk about this thing let's talk about how we see our communities well have a good evening um leave at your own pleasure i will see you next week bye